again. This is Gage Dansby. Welcome back to Beyond Reason. So I uh, wanted to start off this episode really quick with uh, going back into college basketball. Don't worry, I'm not going to be talking about it in extensive detail like last time. Uh, talking about it for basically the entire episode. You guys might be tired of that. So I'm just going to probably for the first five minutes or so just talk about the NCAA tournament that's coming up. So you have the March Madness tournament, arguably the best time of the year. That could be argued. Some people say the Super Bowl. Some people say the World Series. Yada, yada, yada. MLB playoffs, NHL playoffs. No. March Madness. When you look back at the different history of the great sports plays of all time, March Madness comes up so many times. Not even in the championship game. Of course, some are in the championship game. Like the legendary shot by Christian Leitner against Kentucky, where... He should have been out in the game in the first place after stomping on a Kentucky player's chest earlier in the game. But that's a whole different story. And then you have NC State, North Carolina State's improbable run in the 1983 NCAA tournament where they basically beat everyone in the pack when they barely got in in the first place. They were a bubble team. No one expected them to win the whole thing. But they were able to just survive in advance, hence the name of the 30 for 30 that's named after them, and just keep winning and beat Houston in the national championship game. That's one of the most memorable sports moments of all time. And then, of course, you have some of the most clutch uh, basketball shots in history. You have Trey Burke against Kansas, almost basically from the half-court line, really long three in order to tie a game, send Michigan to the national championship game. Then you have Jimmer Fredette. You guys remember Jimmer Fredette, right? I believe that was BYU. Got good old BYU days where basically he could just shoot up a three, couldn't miss for the life of him. The new three-point king in college basketball, and then he went to the NBA, and no one's heard from him since. But during the college basketball years, Jimmer Fredette couldn't miss, and he shined in the NCAA tournament. Stephen Curry got his start to success in the NCAA tournament when he played at Davidson, was able to get them into the tournament as a bubble team won a few rounds was able to get to i believe the either sweet 16 or the elite eight and just keep them going to victory and that showed the golden state warriors that he had potential even though he was pretty small in size at that time and people didn't think he would do well in the nba and look at where he is now it all started with march madness so the at the time of this recording it is sunday march 11th so that means the NCAA tournament bracket is going to be revealed later tonight at 6 p.m. Eastern. All 64 teams are going to be revealed. Um, <clears throat> of course, there's a couple of shoe wins that everybody knows about. Kansas is probably going to be in since they won the Big 12 title. Any basketball team that's won the big uh, their conference championship is guaranteed a shoe win in the NCAA tournament. So you got Kansas, you got Michigan, who won the Big 10 tournament this year. Uh, you got the ACC champion, Pac-12 champion, Big 12 champion, and so on and so forth. So any team that has won their conference championship, they get an automatic bid into the tournament, even the lower conferences, the MAC, Ivy League, so on and so forth. But I wanted to relate this back to my previous podcast where I talked about the entire NCAA corruption scandal and was wondering if there was a possibility that this could interfere with the viewership of March Madness. I wouldn't say by a lot, but at least a little bit of a portion. Because it just came out recently that the NCAA was able to make $1.1 billion, with a B, 
billion in revenue last year. And that's after the entire March Madness tournament ended. That's how, you know, that's after all the entire season was done. National champion was crowned. North Carolina won the title. And, you know, everything was over. $1.1 billion in the games, the advertisements, you name it. So with that coming out and then this whole corruption scandal going on, do you think that there's going to be less of a viewership this year for the NCAA tournament that there have been previously? Just as basically principle. Because nothing within the tournament's going to change. It's still going to be the 64 teams. It's still going to be that one day at the very beginning where there's going to be, like, 17 games going on at once or something ridiculous like that. Trying to switch between the channels. You've been there. Trying to switch between the channels. Trying to catch any buzzer beaters or upsets. And then, before you know it, your bracket is burnt to the ground, like, 20 minutes into the tournament. Happens every single year, but you succumb to it every single year. You're not changing a dang thing. But... There might be some people out there that won't watch this NCAA tournament just based off of principle. They're thinking, there's so much corruption going on within college basketball, within the NCAA, that do you really think that my viewership is actually going to support this? And if so, I don't know if I want to view it. I guarantee you there's going to be at least some people that do that. They're going to have that motive of principle to just not watch it. And, you know, kudos to them. If that's what they believe in, by all means, go ahead and do it. But... I just don't think that it's going to be a giant amount in order to be able to steer things in a new direction. I still think there's going to be a lot of viewership. There's going to be a lot of brackets churned out. Uh, there's going to be people that hope to win that million dollars no matter how crazy the odds are. And it's just not going to change a lot overall. It's going to change, i just say, a little bit. But once the FBI starts sending out the indictments, I think that's when things are start uh, are going to start changing. But nothing that's going to change viewership-wise that's going to change the outlook of the NCAA tournament. There's going to be some, but there's not going to be that much to really see that much of a difference. But that's just my two cents on it. So, now that we're done with sports, music. Music. There's been a lot of music that's been going out lately. We're getting to that point, basically, in the year where spring's around the corner, summer's around the corner, people are turning out albums left and right because, you know, it's spring, it's summer, you gotta have an album out so people can jam to for spring break or summer vacation or whatever it may be if you're still a student. Or just, you know, on the car ride, you know, some of those feel-good songs. I think Calvin Harris is another is working on another Funk Wave Bounces um, volume, which the first one was fantastic. If you haven't listened to that, definitely go listen to that. Um, but just recently, if you're a rap fan, Lil Yachty came out with an album, but apparently it's just okay. Uh, Logic, the uh, he's most famous for the song 1-800-273-8255. He performed it at the VMAs. He performed it at the Grammys with Alicia Carr and Khalid. Um, it's the song about suicide prevention, which actually has helped a lot of people. Uh, people, Kudos to him. Apparently it's had a giant impact. But he just came out with a new album called Bobby Tarantino 2. So there was a first Bobby Tarantino that came out a few years ago. He just came out with a new album then. Completely different style to um, his album Everybody. It's more of a party atmosphere rather than a um, soulful, uh, conceptual atmosphere. So it's a completely different turn for him. Just going back to basically his roots of when he first started back in 2010, 2011. Instead of the more conceptual stuff that you'll hear from his albums like The Incredible True Story or Everybody. And then um, Black Panther album is still doing really good at the top of the charts. I don't know how it stayed up for this long. 
and probably just because of the success of Black Panther in general. It just passed a billion dollar mark. I mean, think about that. That's a Marvel movie with a particularly all-minority cast. That is fantastic. I mean, that's basically showing Hollywood directors and producers that you can create those types of casts and they can still be extremely successful despite the norms that have been set in the previous years. So, I mean, kudos to Black Panther. I still haven't seen it yet, but I really want to. Apparently, it's one of the better Marvel movies that's really ever been made. And um, a bunch of people that I talked to and all the critics um, apparently really recommend it. So, kudos to Black Panther and the album that's probably just basically riding on the coattails of it at this point. It's a good album, I would say that, but I didn't expect it to be at the top of the charts for this long. I thought it was just going to be up for a couple of weeks. After the movie released, it was going to die down, and then we hear that end of it. You know, we wouldn't hear another thing from Kendrick Lamar in case of, until he came out with a new single or a new album, maybe a year or two down the line. It's going to be a while from him, probably. But, um, so music, definitely getting started. I wouldn't be surprised to uh, see a bunch of artists come out with new albums soon um, after they might be done with spring tours or um, other things that they got going on with uh, scheduling and album production. Because, as I said, it's that time of the year where artists are releasing music in order for people to jam out to for the spring or the summer. Because that's like where all of the feel-good music comes in and stuff like that. I'm not saying that there's no feel-good music coming out in the winter months, but, you know, when are you more likely to listen to that type of music? In the spring and summer when you're, uh, you know, at a party or something like that or a cookout or wherever it may be um, versus being stuck inside the house in the winter. I mean, you can see the difference there. Um, Another thing was for any video game fans out there, Xbox... You remember the so take a trip back to 2001 the original xbox came out and the original controller they had was nicknamed the duke because it was this giant son of a gun i mean basically anybody that didn't have the uh hands of a professional football player or basketball player uh basically it was too big for their hands i mean it was just just giant controller you can look it up on google it's called the xbox duke controller it's the very first one that xbox came out with when they released the original xbox in 2001 and it's just this massive thing that no one could really work around but apparently people liked it enough where xbox is actually reviving it they're creating these new duke controllers with this pre-recorded giant center because we all remember that giant center that had the xbox logo on it on the first one and it's going to be able to use for uh, Windows PCs and Xbox Ones. Now, if I were... Look, I own an Xbox One, okay? I don't see the intrigue in that. I guess that Xbox is just trying to capitalize on nostalgia and whatever because it's been 17 years since the original Xbox came out. And people back then who really liked the Duke controller for some reason, there are types of people out there really want that type of controller back in their lives I I just don't see if I guess if Xbox can make a quick buck out of it they're gonna make it so I can't really blame them from a business perspective but who would want to buy that it's this giant controller that the button layout is horrible you won't be able to work anything that I mean what's wrong with the controllers that come with the Xboxes right now they work completely fine it doesn't make any sense. 
why would you want to give up the perfectly fine and capable controllers that Xbox has right now and go back to the monstrosity that Xbox came out with in 2001 that they got just slammed for? I mean, when that came, the Xbox came out, they were like, oh man, it's revolutionary. It's going to compete with PlayStation. System itself, great. The controller, universally hated. Everyone hated it because it was so hard to use and it was so big to hold in the hand. Why would you want that back into your life? You're making things harder than it needs to be. It's all about simplicity and convenience. Why are you trying to make things harder than they need to be? doesn't need to be that way calm down it, it, you you don't need to spend probably 50 60 bucks which is probably what they're going to set the price tag at because that's what the regular controllers are at now now on a controller that you're not going to be able to use without getting carpal tunnel 20 minutes in it look if you're a fan of that dude controller good for you i guess i wonder how you don't have broken wrists at this point but you do you I can't stop you. Microsoft uh, certainly won't stop you. They'll make sure that they can sell those things by the dozen. I just don't understand it. I don't. And uh, back to sports news, actually. I see the Cleveland Browns have been making some pretty great trades. They're trying to get back into the relevance of the National Football League again after being a laughingstock of the NFL for the past few years. Uh, they went 0-16 last year, which is the worst record in National Football League history, next to 2009's Detroit Lions team, which also went 0-16. So they basically tied the Detroit Lions for having the worst record in the NFL. Not a great record to have, but general management is working their tail off, it looks like, signing Tyrod Taylor. And they signed a couple of wide receivers. They signed a backup quarterback. I mean, they're trying to make a whole bunch of moves in a very short period of time in order to get back into the relevance of the NFL spotlight again. People are going all over Twitter saying, hey, look at the Cleveland Browns. They're making some moves. Maybe we should expect uh, maybe a couple of wins out of them this season. And I kind of agree with them. I mean, kudos to them for trying to make a bunch of moves in order to improve their season, which if they win one game, their season is technically improved. If you win one game, that's better than 0-16. So, I mean, this, there's no other place but up at this point. You can't really get any lower if you're the Cleveland Browns. So it's not going to be that hard to uh, increase the success from last year. However, I don't think that that success is going to be any great, great thing. I don't think they're going to suddenly turn it around and get like a 13-3 and season or a 12-4 and season. I'm going to say maybe... Mm, 4 and 12 maybe maybe a 5 and 11 team I mean cuz let's face it it's still the Cleveland Browns you can't go from an 0 and 16 team to a playoff team in the matter of one postseason it's not gonna happen no matter how many trades or signings you decide to do it's just not gonna work you ne- it needs to be a year like a couple year process It can't just happen overnight. I mean, look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did. They slowly built their way up in order to be a Super Bowl champion. Look at what the Philadelphia 76ers are doing. The whole trust the process. 
they were the laughing stock of the NBA a few years ago, but then they got Joel Embiid. They got Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, who, by the way, actually just basically lost his shot and isn't really playing anymore. But besides the point, they got a bunch of good players. They got J.J. Redick for a year. And now they're one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference and potentially a spot where LeBron James could land when his tenure is up in Cleveland after this year. So the whole trust the process thing that was started by 76ers paying off, but it took years for that to happen. The Cleveland Browns are optimistic. They're trying to do a bunch of things in a like multiple year long process in the matter of one postseason and are trying to hype it up that they're going to be in the playoffs. Cleveland Browns fans, if there are any of you out there that are listening to me, you just need to lower don't don't get your expectations too high. Lower them a little bit. I know that they can't really go any lower since you guys went 0-16 last year. So you feel free to have some. Feel free to have a little bit more than you might have had last year. That's perfectly fine. But don't go in with the expectations of heading into the playoffs with a positive record. I'd say you'd be lucky to get out of this coming season with an even record. Defense isn't that very good. Offense is so-so. I mean, it's just... You're, you're, you can't get that good that fast from what I have to say is probably a horrible, horrible team. You can't. And... Uh, there's not much else I can say about that. Doing too many things, too fast, trying to put in a multiple-year process into one postseason, it's not going to work. Might win a couple of games, might improve overall, but not enough in order to make a giant difference and be newsworthy in the NFL again, besides having a horrible record and being a laughing stock, because let's face it, they are. When was the last time the Cleveland Browns have really been taken seriously in the National Football League? Back in the 60s when Jim Brown was heading the offense at running back, I'd say back then, yes, I think that they would be at the head of the NFL back then, but since Jim Brown, no, I can't really think of a time period where the Cleveland Browns are relevant in the NFL, unless we go back to the 1960s, which was 50 plus years ago. I mean, that's, that's a bad drought for any team. Not just a football team. A basketball team had that long of a drought. I mean, uh, well, you can count the Sacramento Kings, probably. They haven't won a title in, I don't think, ever in franchise history. And it's just too much. You're trying to do too many things in so little time. And... You just all need to control your expectations. It's not going to be that great. Um, so for my closing statements, I would like to remind you that if you are basketball fans, make sure you get out there and sign up on your tournament challenge apps or print out your brackets or something or whatever after 6 o'clock tonight because that's when the bracket's going to be revealed. And um, hopefully it's going to be a great March Madness. I don't really see any one particular team that I can see going to the national championship. It is truly a toss-up at this point. It can be any of the one, two, or three seats. Honestly, it can be just a switch of any of the two. Could this be the year that a 16 seed beats one seed? Probably highly improbable, but possible. Definitely possible. So, 
I leave you all with that. And everybody enjoy March Madness as it's going to get started within the next week. Best time of the year in sports. Cleveland Browns fans, don't raise your expectations too much with all the trades. Tiger Woods, keep doing your thing. I think he has his swagger back finally after that Traders Cup championship this past weekend. So keep that going. Golf fans, I'm sure you're excited about that. Get to watch the old Tiger again. So, and uh, for all of you Xbox fans that want to do controllers, I can't stop you. Just probably not the best decision. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Reason. I'm Gage Dansby. See you later. Thank you.